Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. all said and done, they called it the Valley of Blessing. And isn't that what God does with every experience in our life? No matter how long the winter, no matter how dark the night, when there's faith in Jesus, he turns it into victory and blessing for good. They had to believe in his person and his promises. To believe in his person, who God is, and his promises. We talked last week about the fear of the, the, the fear of God and that the fear of the Lord and what really starts out with fear and reverence for like the day of accountability and judgment. When we, when we accept the Lord and we grow in Christ, it moves from that fear to love and really respect and honor and love and having a loving relationship because we love him because he first loved us. Jesus is our friend. He calls us friends. God loves us. He's for us. And he works all things together for good to those who love him. And so we can, we can face this day and we can believe. And our belief may feel strong. Our belief may feel weak. But the more you invest, the more we invest in our daily lives of reading the scriptures, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the more we allow the Lord to be a part of our life on a daily basis, in our decisions, in our conversations, the more we respond to the spirit in in just everyday human horizontal relationships when the Lord's like saying, don't say that, and then you don't say that. You set yourself up to grow in the Lord and in that relationship with the Lord. And when he says, speak up and say this, and you do, you grow in your faith. So again, you, our faith gets stronger because we're hearing the truth and then we're becoming the truth. And on this day in the valley of fear that becomes the valley of victory, When we wake up and face this day, we need to look in the mirror and say, I believe. I believe. You know, I talk about high school pep rallies and football games and stuff where they, we believe that we will win, and then the other team, they'd be saying it back and forth. Like, on this day when you wake up, like, I believe you have won, and we're coming from victory. And whatever is going to happen this day, it's going to pass through the loving hands of our Heavenly Father. And he promised through the prophets yesterday, the prophet yesterday, that stand and watch and see the salvation of our God. That is not subject to emotions, and you have to make emotions subject to it. You need to take truth and the person and the work of Christ and make every emotion that would come against faith and make it subject to that. Truth makes emotions subject Unfortunately, many people let emotions make truth subject to them. So believe in who he is, his goodness. God is good. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. God is good all the time. And believe in his word because all the promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. Okay? So that's how we're going to face that day. That's how we're going to be. We're going we're to frame it in faith. And we're going to go forward and we're going to crush it.
Now, in their believing, I find it very interesting that the expression of their belief was in singing. Did you catch that? So they, he's like, hey, believe in the Lord, believe in his word. Now start singing. It, it all went together. That's why worship is so special, because it ex, it's an expression of our belief and faith in the Lord. When we sing about the Lord, we're singing about his character. You are good. You are good. Right. And we're singing about the things he's done. We're singing about his faithfulness and what he's done. And sometimes we're singing about promises from the word of God. But when you see those words on the screen or they're not there sometimes because we maybe don't have that song or we're looking for it. Anthony back there, Brandon, just know we're singing about who he is and what he's done and what he's promised. And we do that for 20, 25 minutes every time you come out here on a service. We're, 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 we're setting the table for the truth to go forth. I've mentioned this lately a fair bit because it's just been on my mind, so I'm going to say it again. In the most challenging time in my lifetime, the COVID crisis and the attack on free businesses and churches, the ultimate attack was the attack on churches to not sing. That was just like, what? where's that even coming from? Like, could you ever imagine before 2020 that governments would tell you, you can't sing in a church? You, you couldn't even fathom such a thing. I'll tell you why. Because it was demonic. And you never saw such deep demonic darkness in your life. The devil hates praise. He hates songs about Jesus and songs to Jesus. I don't know about the rest of that craziness, but I can tell you, when they said no singing, that, without a doubt, is 100% spiritual. No matter what intentions, good or bad, that governments and politicians had, and let's give them the benefit of the doubt, they had good intentions based upon their medical data. The truth is behind it, it was demonic from start to finish. Because only the devil, who's the prince of the power of the air, would have the audacity in the darkest hour of our timeline to tell the church, you can't sing. Martin Luther, when he took on the entire Catholic Church and the world as we knew it, he took on the entire organized religion and all politics on three things. Only the word of God, only salvation by grace, and we sing to the Lord. I never knew that till COVID. But I began to research this. He, the 95 thesis on that church door at Wittenberg, it was, those were the three macros. His three macros were Faith, scripture alone, faith alone, and singing to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? So obviously, in his timeline, in the suppression of the freedom of faith and religion, there was suppression of what was saying in the churches. In the darkest moment, in the most crucible hour of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, immediately after he said, I am the Passover lamb, and instituted communion, he walked out those doors of Jerusalem and went down the Garden of Gethsemane and he went down singing. What, I mean, he knew it was coming. In that once he said, I'm the fulfillment of the Passover lamb and instituted communion and the new covenant. This is my blood which was shed for you. He said that, my body given for you. Then he walked out the doors with the apostles and he sang. He, they most likely would have sang some of those psalms known as the Psalms of the Ascents, between like 110 and 120 in the psalms in that stretch. Jesus sang hymns with his disciples as he headed for the Garden of Gethsemane to pray alone because, of course, they didn't pray with him. 
Ah. The power of praise in the darkest night. Paul and Silas, when the gospel first came to Europe in a new continent, and they were publicly humiliated and publicly beaten, and they were locked in the, in the prison there, what did they do? They sang praises to the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5, when we're told to be spirit-filled, the identity of being spirit-filled by a biblical definition, at least in the corporate gathering, is to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with one another. See, you can watch all the movies, and you, if you go back to like the Civil War, both sides would have their songs they sang when they were about to go into a big battle at Gettysburg or whatever. It, it, the, the Russians, during the Russian armies, when they got beat most of the time, by the way, but they, had their, they would have their holy shrine things from the Russian Orthodox Church. They would sing songs as they were going out to face the Poles or the Prussians or whoever, or the Swedes. They, they, in history and war is people with their little icons singing their songs of victory as they're marching toward battle. <laughs> the difference for them and us is that we have the victory and we're coming from the victory. When you read Fox's Book of Martyrs and you read about all, all the history of martyrs, you just hear time and time again of people singing and praising the Lord, you know, there in the Colosseum before Caesar or at the burn at the stake, singing and praising the Lord. You only live once and you only die once. Sing with some praise in your heart. You just never know, like the praise can repel all the darkness or that's, that's just the way to go. Man, I just... I figure I'm going to sing God of Wonders in that last moment. Like, if I realize this is it, God of Wonders beyond our galaxy, man, and I, I can't sing for anything. Y'all know that. It's so bad listening to me sing. The only thing worse is all the brands singing together. Because we are the worst singers on planet Earth. We got gifts for all kinds of things, but singing, we got nothing. We really got nothing. But we're told to make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? It's the day of the Lord. That's how we have to be. Man, you go into a court case and it's something ugly and gnarly. <laughs> God of wonders beyond our galaxy. Start singing. Start singing. For the battle is the Lord's. Believe and sing. To the last day. It's coming either way at some point in time. So we want to always be ready for the day of the Lord. And may the Lord find us singing his praises when it comes. Now, the second thing we see here is God fights our battles. We know that. We see this time and time again in historical books. But to just it, it's the application of this text. He fights our battles. His, the victories are varied in how he does it. You know, think about David. It's like David beat him this way, and David goes, do I go against the Philistines again this way? And God's like, no, 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 go around the mulberry bushes, and he'll come around this way and that way. Like this, when Sennacherib had surrounded Hezekiah in Jerusalem with 185,000 Assyrian troops, the most terrifying army in human history up to that time. The angel of the Lord just came and struck them all down in one night. All of them, like this story, all of them. I'm telling you, in human history, there was an army of 185,000 struck down in one night by the angel of the Lord. It happened in time, space, and matter. It was all out. But you know, sometimes God wants a teenager to run out there with a rock and take down Goliath and cut his head off. Like, you just never know how it's going to go. God does different things at different times. Maybe Jonathan's armor bearer. Hey, if they do this, we do that. And then if they say that, we say that, and then we go get them. Like, the, the victories are varied. See, it's like the book of Acts. As the church was going forth in the book of Acts, there's such variation 
about the silliest thing anyone could ever do in Jesus' name is try and form theology, rigid theology, from the historical record of the book of Acts. Because it's like, you get the healing handkerchief, this is, spirit-filled looks this this way, spirit-filled looks like that way. And where men get in danger and being religious, and women too, is when they form like some lock, stock, and barrel theology from 28 chapters of the Bible. It's just so different what God did in every situation. We don't, we're not always going to have a healing handkerchief. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to tell people to burn their books all the time. Like, it's just, you just... God is the same yesterday and forever, and he doesn't change who he is, but how he brings victory and how he works, he's going to work within his, the boundaries of his scripture, but how he brings victory varies. This time he let the Ammonites and the Moabites turn against the Mount Seir people, the Edomites, and then all of a sudden they look at each other like pirates. You know, They take, they take out this pirate ship, and then they look at each other, and they take each other out. And one thing that probably was a factor is there's three days' worth of plunder of wealth that was amongst those armies. It says that the Lord set the ambush in verse 22. When they began to sing praise, the Lord set the ambush. The Lord, man, when people come against you, let the Lord fight your battles. We can fight our battles, and sometimes we might have to do something here or there, like take this legal action or do whatever, and good for us if we need to. But in the end, the Lord needs to set the ambush. And he can turn your foes against each other. No one escaped in this story. But I will, I will say this about the Lord's battles, that God fights our battles. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. We want to be on the right side of morality and truth when battles are being fought. Because we're told by Paul at the end of his life, I fought the good fight. There's a good fight and a bad fight. There's truth and falsehood. There's light and darkness. There's life and death. So if we're in a conflict, there's always going to be conflict because light and darkness cannot coexist and they're polar opposites morally and spiritually. We, we want to make sure that we're on the right side of things. We want to make sure if we have enemies, there are enemies because there's consistency of our character, decisions, and our life choices with the Word of God. We want to be in trouble because we defend the defenseless. We want to be in trouble because we stand for truth when people try and change and redefine truth. We want to be in trouble because we believe the Ten Commandments are a moral code for human experience, though we're saved by grace. We want, to be in tr- we want to be in trouble because we believe all of God's word, the whole counsel. So then if you have trouble because people come against you, your character, your person, your business, your marriage, because you stand for the truth that's in God's word, then good for you. Because Jesus said, blessed are, men, blessed are you when men persecute you for my name's sake, and blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And if you're standing on the word of God and its attack is because of who you are as a woman of God or a man of God and all that your life is an extension flow chart of being a woman or a man of God, then good for you. Jesus said there's a blessing on persecution for righteousness. So when you face that battle and the multitude comes against you, let it really be for righteousness, for good things. Even if you're like Jehoshaphat and you made a silly mistake of going, you know, putting yourself in a chariot next to Ahab and going up to... <laughs> You know, Jabez Gilead and fighting the Syrians. That was, you know, he had to feel pretty silly if you saw that text last week. But 
Even so, he was a good man. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord delivered him. We want to be on the right side of morality, the things of the Spirit, the things of eternal, the things of God's character. We want to be in any battle on the side that is light and life and eternity. I look at younger ministers that I respect and admire who, who will fight a good fight. I fought a good fight. Man, I walked from Mexico to Maricopa interceding for this state in 2008, interceding for the next generation. I walked. I touched the border fence in San Ysidro. And I walked and prayed for every state, every governor, all the laws, the future of my children and my children's children. And I prayed against this darkness that came upon this land. And it would seem that it was in vain. Little did I know how dark it would really become. It looked dark in 08. Look what it looks like now. It's unbelievable. I was young. I was passionate. And then the Lord said, you're done. It's good. Election day 08, I got up, touched the water at Newport. 56th Street, walked up Harbor Boulevard all the way to Los Angeles County. I prayed for the, those that couldn't pray for themselves or too deceived to even know truth and falsehood. I did what I could. I'm older now. I don't, I, I, I don't know if I could do that again. A couple of years ago, I was like, Lord, I want to run a marathon, walk a marathon. The Lord's like, you already did with me. I did 30 miles one day. The grapevine. Brian James was in a car tagging me, almost like a support crew. I walked from the base of the mountain in Ojai to the summit on the back highway, praying for your children's future and your futures and my children's future in the church. I see a post by John Randall. Guy's got so much fire. He is not messing around, man. John Randall is fearless. I love that guy. Man, John Randall tilts the room. He's a warrior for his generation. He's younger. You know, he's a little bit younger than me. Quite a bit younger, actually. Chuck was a warrior, right? Pastor Chuck, what a warrior. Dying of lung cancer in the pulpit. Just bring it to the last day. What a warrior. Greg Laurie's a warrior, huh? He's not done yet either. Gosh, Greg Laurie's just like, oh, my goodness. John MacArthur, these guys are heavyweights, but who's going to stand in the future? I don't know. But we need to make sure we're standing on the right side of what's true. And it tells us in Ephesians about the armor of God, Ephesians 6. It says, put on the whole armor of God, and having done all, stand. Stand. See, that's really what we need to do, is stand. To take a stand and keep standing. Stand. And we should admire and respect those people who do. Finally, the last thing we see here, we need to believe God fights our battles, and we need to stand, sing and believe, let God fight, stand and watch. But then the rejoicing and the victory. You see here it says that, and the Lord has mentioned all these passages, because the Lord set the ambush, and he said, believe in the Lord. And here it says, with joy for the Lord, verse 27, with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. The Lord is involved with all of it. Believe in the Lord. The Lord sets the ambush, and the Lord brings rejoicing. And that's, that's what the day of victory does. It gives us rejoicing. We can be happy. Happy is an emotion, and we can be happy for various things. 
And really, most people in life, what they're pursuing is happiness. If you love the Lord and you're generally happy, you're going to draw people to yourself and they're going to know more about the Lord. That's just the way it is. But if you're dour and sour and you talk about the Lord, no one wants to be around you. If you're negative and just uh, jaded, like, oh, you need to get saved. And like you're negative and you're unhappy. It's like, yes, what's it? No, people want to, people want to be drawn by happiness and joy. But the greatest joy of all is the joy that comes from what the Lord has done in our life with what he's done for us, what he's doing through us, but really his victories in this context, the victory. They were rejoicing the victory. They had three days plunder. They had all that temporal wealth, which just gets left behind and redistributed. And by the way, you know, 4,000 years later, who even knows where it's at? Looked like a lot of booty on that day, huh? a lot of wealth, a lot of, you know, like it, three days of gold and silver and precious jewel, jewelry, you know, jewels and <laughs> where's where it now? Well, it all it all just gets, you know, goes back to the dust, just like our physical bodies. It gets lost. Ends up in some museums, some of it, but most of it's just gone. In First Thessalonians, we're told to rejoice always. Rejoice always is an exhortation after talking about the return of Christ Jesus, too, for us. To rejoice always. And I must say, and many of you know this, there's such a relief after the battle, right? When you just have this cruxable, something so stressful, this confrontation, this difficult thing. Man, when it's finally over and the Lord gives deliverance, man, there's just such a rejoicing. You're just like so happy it's behind you. But like I said earlier, the winter is only so long. There's long winters, but sooner or later, God makes sure they give way to spring. That's the way he set up our universe. Winter will always give way to spring. So in the darkest of your winters, don't lose hope. Spring will come, and they'll be rejoicing. And the Bible tells us in the Psalms, though there may be weeping at night, joy will come in the morning. The dark night will always give way. The dark night in the Garden of Gethsemane will always give way to the empty tomb on Easter morning. Always. We just have to endure. We have to persevere, and we have to stand and watch and see the salvation of our God. There are seasons of life, and in them, in all the battles we ever face in the valley of fear, we need to let the Lord's word, his person, his promises become our strength and our confidence that will turn it into valley of victory. Not only the valley of victory, but the valley of blessings. They receive blessings in the valley, and they bless the Lord in the valley. And I will say this is what I've learned in my life with all the spiritual victories God has given I believe every spiritual victory in every great cruxable of life is designed to put our confidence that much more in the Lord and prepare us that much more for what really matters, eternity. Though I hate the cruxable, I hate suffering, I hate trials, I hate tribulation, and I particularly hate death. But that quote from Britt Merrick, who buried his seven-year-old daughter years ago, Daisy, he said this, we all die. Period. Every animal, the dogs I love, you, all of you I love, people who are no longer here that used to sit there or sit there, they're gone. We will all go. And this to me is the beauty of the victories that God gives us in the Valley of Victory, is they are designed to move our affections, our disposition to the kingdom. They're designed to look up 
and prepare ourselves to align toward that. Every victory in the valley of fear moves us a day closer and a better preparation for all that God has for us in eternity. So you fight the good fight, and you, you grind it out, and you just, oh, God, I can't take another day, and yet you do. And then he fights that battle on your behalf, and then he's coming in glory, and you're seeing God of wonders, or whatever comes to your mind, but hopefully you'll be singing a praise song. That's what we do. See, the rejoicing in the victory, to me, is just moving us toward eternity. It strengthens our faith in time, and it strengthens our hope. For the day of the Lord. These people, they were taking all that plunder home. But really, it's like, man, the bosom of Abraham. Think about the glory. Think about the burning bush. And live with that reality in mind. Yes and amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.